Welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Today is a special treat because you get to hear a recorded conversation between my co-founder, Dr. Julie Hakeem, and I. We realized that we needed to just sit down and, on record, kind of review some of the different opinions that we've been recording here on this show You know, Julie is so smart. She's a pediatric gynecologist. She's an inventor of a med device. She's a a world-renowned expert in vaginal tissue research. And so I love getting her opinion on our episodes and on our interviews. And so this uh, recording took place on my couch in my living room. My dog is Tripson. You'll hear his introduction too. Um, Super, super fun. I think you're going to enjoy it. Hi, everybody. It's me, Brittany, and Tripson, and Julie. And On the other side of Tripson, our yep. social distancing dog. <laughs> <laughs> our pylon. Yes. <laughs> we are uh, the co-founders of Femtech Focus, um, an organization that helps promote femtech, technology that improves women's health and wellness. If you are not subscribed to our podcast yet, you have got to get on that iTunes, Spotify, we have, um, I think we're close to 700 subscribers around the world. I am so thrilled. Amazing. So thrilled. So awesome. And I'm getting messages actually all the time, people saying like, hey, I found your podcast because it's the only one called Femtech Anything. And um, I'm learning a lot. So if you want to learn about women's health and wellness, you've got to check it out. Check us out. Super fun. We have Sign up. <laughs> get the alerts. Follow us. Tell other people, your friends, your dogs, your coworkers. <laughs> All of them. Here. And so what we are doing today is that we have had 10 episodes live already. And again, 700 subscribers, only 10 episodes. This thing is growing organically, um, which is amazing. Um, but today, Julie and I wanted to just kind of sit down and, and have a conversation about some of the trends that we're noticing in the podcast. Um, you know, my background is in genetics and entrepreneurship and venture capitalism, and Julie is a pediatric gynecologist. So we are going to chat about some of the trends and, oh yeah, trips oh, and getting comfortable now. There you go. Settling in. He's ready. Yeah, he's ready. He's like, these ladies are ripe and ready to talk about all the vagina concerns. Yeah, he's here. like, vaginas again, mom? Really? <laughs> All the time with the vaginas. All the time. Yes. Um, So the first trend I have noticed come up in our podcast is either OBGYNs being a friend or a Mm. foe. We have some people saying OBGYNs um, just prescribe the birth control pill Mm -hmm. and send you on your way and they don't really care. And then we also have, I think, three of our episodes are of OBGYNs caring about their patients so much that yeah. they actually started a startup to fix yeah. the problem they see. Yeah. You're OBGYN. Yeah. You may yeah. be biased. You may be. <laughs> but also, like, I mean, I've been defending them on the podcast yeah. because 
I, I think it's an educational issue, maybe mm-hmm. a healthcare insurance issue. Yeah. You know, you only have six minutes. That's not by your choice necessarily yeah. with the patient. No. So tell us how, what does that make you feel like, first of all, to hear that some patients are, think that you guys are against women, you know, and, and what do you, what do you feel about that? I mean, yes, I'm biased, right? I think being an OBGYN, you have to line up with your people. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I definitely line up with the patients first, right? And I think when patients are saying I'm uncomfortable with how you're delivering care, uh, everybody has to listen. And you're right. It's not the OB's fault or the GYN's fault necessarily that the structural institution of where they deliver their care, if it's a hospital, it's a clinic, whatever it is, is generating our views, right? It's generating Mm -hmm. value units per that MD's time. Mm -hmm. And you have to meet targets just like other institutions have to meet targets, Mm -hmm. right? So yes, we're kind of pushed on the back end to limit our sessions, keep Mm -hmm. them fast, keep them brief, one issue only. But when you're talking about people and when you're a patient, I've gone to my own OB, you've gone (laughs) to your own OB, that feels rushed. It does. I see it. I feel it too. I feel it too. I leave my own doctor's office and I say, oh my gosh, I forgot to ask. Mm -hmm. And now I have a headache because I have to go back. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and I think from the OB side, yes, you're being pushed on the back end. Like you have to wrap it up. You only have a certain amount of nursing support or ancillary support or whatever support for just that period of time. Mm -hmm. So you have to deliver the care and deliver it fast. But on the other hand of things, you know, you have a patient and my, my patients particularly are um, adolescents, right? Mm -hmm. Adolescents and kids and their parents, usually their mothers, uh, not, not always. And I always take the time and really tell the parents, listen, I'm going to ask you to leave the room. Mm-hmm. This is just how we set up the appointments. It's almost like this is how it's going to go. I need you to take a lap in the hall, count to 100, do something. I need to have an opportunity so I can talk with your daughter by herself. Mm-hmm. Why? A couple of things. She needs to practice talking to, to somebody else mm-hmm. that isn't you. Um, there's definitely going to be information. Even if you don't want to see it, there's going to be information that's going to come out that maybe they're not comfortable asking in front of you. Yeah. So when one of your patients leans forward and she's 11 or 12 and she's like, there's a thing and it's like, you know, and she's so embarrassed to ask you and she's so scared and she's worked up the courage over 10 visits to finally say, I don't know what this thing is Mm -hmm. and what do I do? Mm -hmm. And I feel abnormal. I'm scared. Are you going to rush that conversation? Yeah. Are you going to rush that because you know you have a waiting room full of people, but that's maybe your one opportunity to create that little bridge. Mm-hmm. And even if she's only going to come with today, she wants to talk about this thing that's maybe in her underwear and she's scared of, but maybe the next four visits is going to be some bigger issue that yeah. you're the one that gets to unravel it. So that privilege is not something to rush. But then, you know, you have the parents who are like, yeah, but, you know, I had to take time off work. I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm meeting, missing meetings and you're running half an hour late. And what is that about? Yeah. 
So it almost sounds like, I mean, those are such precious moments with the adolescent girl who has a question, mm-hmm. probably the first time she's ever asked it. Perhaps. So then when we have, you know, and not to put down, you know, 20, 30 year old women that feel discouraged about their OBGYN rushing them and just giving them a pill, maybe as women, we need to open our mind and see, think about the other yeah. patients, potentially the doctor is seeing like an 11 year old girl having an issue yeah. that she's going to have one opportunity with her parent not in the room to talk mm-hmm. to the doctor. I mean, yeah. obviously, none of this is ideal. No. Obviously. No. <laughs> we need to change the system. Yeah. And I think that's the value of what we're creating here with Femtech, right? Yeah. We're creating this platform of people who are coming together, both the consumer side, the women who are accessing their care, and the delivery side, which is the people who are trying to deliver the care, and all the people in between who are saying, we need to disrupt this. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. Femtech is just disruption that needs to happen whether it's at the intersection of you know uh, a female specific health concern and female biology or how that care is delivered or whatever it is yeah all of those areas are just ripe for being disrupted and I think it is wonderful and amazing that we're all in this space together talking about well I don't like this part of how I consume care I don't feel Mm -hmm. good about how it feels to me and your providers, the other guests that you had on your podcast, are equally not in love with how it's delivered to yeah. their patients. Yeah. And so fantastic that we're opening this platform, <laughs> yeah. that we're all in this together, identifying the things that don't work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's another friend or foe. Ooh, birth ooh. control. Oh, my Birth babe. control. Birth so topic. we have had several yes. people on the podcast yes. very, very adamant that birth yes. control is the totally. oppressor of women. And birth <laughs> control is the worst thing. Yeah. It's the it's it's horrible. It's capitalism just putting down women. Yes. <laughs> and yes. then we have other people on the podcast that have been like, birth control has allowed women to live the life they always were meant yeah. to live. It's yeah. the best thing that's ever happened to women. I mean, I think if I put a few of these people in the same room, I mean, it would get really intense. It, it would get very, very intense. <laughs> you know what? I mean? It should. Rightly, it should. Because honestly, there's two sides to that story. There's two sides to every story, right? I mean, frankly, you have to stand back from it and look at both sides, right? Uh-huh. And yes, birth control has helped women enormously you know, your other guests have talked about skipping periods and what that means to women and how that just opens up all kinds of avenues. And frankly, half the time in my clinic, I tell some of my young patients, like, it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. Like, you do not have to suffer with this. Yeah. Like, really, you don't. And if you're, if you're, periods or your cramps are holding you back from living your best life, then I'm not doing my job. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing my job. Mm-hmm. Okay, but on the other hand of things, <laughs> yeah, on the other hand of things, it's not all about hormones. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the conversation. Like, what are we missing there? Yeah. You know, yes, birth control, of course, what we have now is largely hormone derived. Largely, it's inconvenient, though you have, you know, your previous guests that have identified ways to streamline that, that yeah. delivery. But still, when you look at an IUD, you know, an IUD is just a fantastic contraceptive. It's fantastic for its other. I don't have any stock in IUDs, by the way. I'm just telling you <laughs> that it, it's a great device and it works. 
it has all these other non-contraceptive benefits. Mm-hmm. How many women have an IUD in, and by the way, they get like one day of spotting, if that. Yeah. You know, and this yeah. thing is great for five years. What's the downside? Why is this thing so hard to put in? Yeah. Why is it uncomfortable? Why hasn't somebody made a better option than this thing that is uncomfortable? And, you know, most women are afraid of it. And it feels like maybe not the most fun five minutes that you've had in your life. But why should it be? Well, most IUDs are hormone-based, though, right? And there's just one that's for copper. Correct. Yeah. Correct. There's one that's copper-based. And it's a contraceptive that doesn't give the, you know, added benefits the non-contraceptive oh, benefits okay okay it also has some pretty significant downsides in the sense that it makes women's periods tends to make them a little bit heavier and crampier so and because you have freaking copper wire in your uterus right you know <laughs> i mean there's there's we can get into all of the physiology behind it but the the point is that why is that even just the only options for women yeah, you know? yeah. first of all why are we even talking about iud's like there really needs to, somebody some brilliant human and again, this is the benefit of this platform, right? Yeah. That we get to talk about all the things that are not working or all the things that are working. Mm-hmm. So some brilliant human needs to come up with a better way to achieve the same effect that these IUDs bring. And yeah. it really shouldn't be a matter of, well, I'm going to choose this thing that works really well in so many ways, but man, that's uncomfortable to put in. And this other one that I'm maybe I want to line up with not having hormones in my system. Fantastic. But then I have to deal with all of these negative side effects. Yeah. Like why are those the only options? Of course, there's lots of other hormonal options, but again, contraception just needs to advance. Yeah. It needs to be innovated. Is there a way to not have your eggs released from the ovaries without the use of hormones? Not as of right now. Yeah. Not as of right now. On a biological, do you think that's even possible? I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Because honestly, again, what I think this platform has done is identify the areas that haven't even been disrupted yet. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. I keep keep thinking back to, and this is like a total tangential um, example, but it it highlights what I'm going to say. Plant-based meat. Was that a conversation <laughs> five years ago? It wasn't. It's so funny you mentioned it. Yesterday, I was cleaning the house and listening to how I built this. They, and they just interviewed Impossible Foods. Fantastic. And that they were on a mission to yes. make meat that bleeds, literally yes. bleeds and yes. cooks like meat, yes. but made out of plant biology. Yeah. So, I mean, you, to, to be stuck in this rut of you have to use hormones to stop your eggs from producing is like, okay, how about we live in 2020? Yeah. <laughs> where we yeah. have AI yeah. and drones and yes. robots, you know? Yeah. And, and to just be like expansive with our own creational thoughts about a, what women deserve to have mm-hmm. and B what is our potential, which literally ceiling unlimited. And it takes mm-hmm. somebody to say, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. It took those impossible meat guys to say, why are we just talking about either you eat lentils yeah. uh, <laughs> or you eat cow. like a cow. Yeah. And yeah. like those were the options. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so it took some genius to say, hey, why don't we combine these two things? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that just innovation? It's like using the things that exist and combining them in a way that nobody thought of before. Mm-hmm. So some genius is going to come along and maybe we're creating the platform and the opportunity and the ripeness for yeah. that genius yeah. to say, hmm, I have an idea. Yeah. Why don't we do this differently? Why is it 
why are we limited to like it has to be A, B, or C, and yeah. there's only this many menu options? Why is there not? <laughs> why isn't there not a whole other realm of options that we can yeah. consider? And then we can bring the pro birth control and the anti birth control oh, people in the same room, God, right? Let because, us do it <laughs> because if we can come up with something that yeah. honors both, like no hormones yes. plus. Yes. You know, you don't need your period because women yeah. aren't pregnant three quarters of their life anymore. And yeah. so yeah. we don't need to have as many periods. I loved what Sophia said oh about that. Gosh. That was so interesting. Yeah. And then how can we make the delivery of that easier, right? Because I think mm. so many more women can line up with not having periods or whatever IUDs if that's what they choose. If it just wasn't so cumbersome. Yeah. 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 I think women are just in this space where we're all kind of digital healthcare savvy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, literally from the nine-year-olds who come to my clinic who are like on this, that, and the other app, and to, to all spectrums of women, right? We're all savvy enough to want more. Mm -hmm. And now we're in this place where we're all asking better questions and like deciding that we deserve to have better answers, really. Yeah. And that things need to be set up. Whether that's at an institutional level, whether that's at a delivery care level, whether that's just at a thought level. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we're saying as a collective, you know, there's so much energy behind our need mm -hmm. and there's so much optimism behind what could be produced for us. And so where is the rest of the industry, you know, uh, pipelines, funding mechanisms that are just, mm -hmm. why is that not lining up behind us? Yeah. Well, I think it's a pressure cooker and we're the pressure and hopefully it'll yes. explode and change the industry and change the systems. Yes. And I think that, I think the pressures is expanding and getting in more intense because my, from what I'm learning, I really do learn on every episode. I, I pretty much, I feel like I know nothing. <laughs> I can tell by like every episode learning so much, but so many women for very, very long have thought they were the only ones struggling yeah. with this thing. Yes. And I think because of technology and, you know, blogging and Facebook groups that are private and mm -hmm. Reddit and anonymous mm -hmm. whateverness, yeah. we are starting to realize, oh, my God, I'm not yeah. the only one with this. Look at this group has 100,000 women involved and they're yeah. all saying the experiences, too. Yeah. Maybe I'm not the only one. So I think that's like step one, mm -hmm. realizing you're not the only one, being able yeah. to Google it. And there's all these things that say, yeah. here's how common it is. Yeah. And then the second one is like these women coming together and they're all just struggling and there's no solution. And mm -hmm. hopefully that brings up some anger or motivation or something yeah. to make change. I think that's where we're on. We are now yeah. where there's a few people have, you know, if it's a, if it's popcorn, if yeah. you have kernels have exploded, yes. you know, yeah. Yeah. Femtech is coming, you know, Femtech but now it's like, popcorn. we're yes. at like minute one and a half with the popcorn in the microwave, yeah. you know, yeah. where it's really yeah. going to start going. You know? <laughs> we're at minute one and a half and we haven't even gotten to the flavors yet. Of the popcorn. Like, don't, yeah. even, don't even get us started because we got kettle popcorn. <laughs> we got so many flavors. No, I think, I think everything you said is absolutely true yeah. because I think, um, first of all, I love your approach. And I think I hold the same approach, right? You can learn, you can learn from everybody. Mm -hmm. You can learn literally from everybody, whether or not they're in your spec, in your sector, doesn't matter. Everybody's your teacher. And if you just keep your mind, if one, if women keep their mind open to what other pe women and humans are telling them are the needs or are the uh, pressure points mm -hmm. are the points that don't work. You know, all of that just is going to funnel forward. And you're right. It's just us creating this 
this energy behind this momentum mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. this this whatever that we can set up this platform you know to get the popcorn popping and then keep it contained right because I think also as you were saying so women feel that they're terminally unique which is Mm -hmm. which is definitely an issue that I think we're addressing right by talking about issues openly and then they google and it's reams of information yeah and half of the time you don't know what's right you don't know is this legit you don't know am I Am I, should I put this like egg in my vagina and that's going to help me with this, that, and the other? Like, you know, you don't know where to go. And I think some of our value is in distilling that information, keeping it contained, and then having somebody else, some other brilliant human, you know, brilliant women, brilliant whoever, students, young people come in and say, I'm going to take that piece of information that you fed me and I'm going to tell you that this part doesn't work for me, this part does, Mm. and then we're going to create something better. Well, as a doctor, how do you feel about most of the answers women's health are just on Google? And Mm. what what do you, do you think the majority of it is crap? Do you think half of it is crap? Is, you know, is it pretty good or... Like, what is your biggest frustration as a, a medical professional when most of women's health advice comes from Google? Is it is it a trap door or what? what's happening? I think it really, so, I mean, you know, there's so many pages of internet literature out there and it is hard to read through. Even, even for my own self, when I'm looking at it from like an eye that leans towards science and medicine, mm-hmm. some of it is just out there and you feel <laughs> you feel sad that oh my goodness are are women reading this and yeah. and thinking that this is okay and that this is what it is that being said i think it's so important to be open right mm. it's so important to understand that maybe the concepts that western medicine has mm. given forward are not the be all and end mm-hmm. all right there's such an intersection there's such a junction in terms of other philosophies of medicine that really haven't gotten enough airtime, especially not in the relationship and that intersection of women's health with those philosophies. Am I frustrated with what I read? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we could get, we could get really going on a whole tangent (laughs) about, you know, all all kinds of things that women are putting in their vaginas that don't have any business being there, (laughs) you know, really, that don't put things in there that really just don't belong there. There's only a few things that belong in their vagina and none of them include anything that comes from a bee. Like really stop stop (laughs) doing it. Y'all don't put random bee products in there. It's just, it's just not what the vagina is like your eye. I keep telling that to people. It is going to clean itself. It's going to clean itself. You do not need to be putting things up there to help it clean it cleans itself. You don't wash your eye. Yeah. Don't, don't wash your eye. Don't put lemon. Don't put, yeah. You know, don't put stuff <laughs> in your eye. Don't put bee products in your eye. Yeah. Why? Because it's not good for your eye. What's best for the eyes is to leave it alone. Just leave Just it alone. Just stop rubbing it. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Put some water. Huh. Water. Who wouldn't thunk? Water. <laughs> with your vagina. Leave it. Just leave it. Leave it until you know enough that you're not putting random things. Yeah. Right? It has yeah. to be... You know, you shouldn't be steaming. Don't steam. Don't steam. <laughs> oh, no, no. I don't even know half of this. Don't, don't, what women no. are doing. It's, yeah. You know, that, that layer, that really beautiful, delicate mucosal layer in your vagina, don't steam it off. 
Don't steam it off. No. <laughs> don't steam just, it off, y'all. Just don't steam it off. Anyway, so I guess what I'm trying to say is, and, and making a little bit of a jest, but also feeling like in my heart, my heart constricts when I see things mm. like this. Like, you know, don't put bee nettle and steamings and all kinds of other mm. things. So it is a hard thing, and I get it. It's definitely challenging for somebody who doesn't have the background to go on the internet and know what am I supposed to pay attention to? Yeah. What am I supposed to pay attention to? How many of you and I, between the two of us, I'm sure, have had a gazillion text messages from friends, and, you know, my friend's friend has this itch, has this burn, has Mm -hmm. this, something Mm -hmm. is in her underwear, can she talk to you? She doesn't know what to do. She's Googled 700 things. She's put 800 products up there and nothing's work. Yeah, You know, and that, it just shouldn't be that complicated. Yeah. It just shouldn't. Well, um, we've been talking a lot about the Western woman, but we interviewed Amina from Japan. Yes. And Amina Amina. brought something up that was super, super interesting. Um, If you haven't listened to it yet, it's called Femtech in Japan. Listen to that episode. It's so, so, so interesting about women's health and wellness in the Asian culture, Mm. in particular Japan. Mm. So interesting. Which, by the way, Corky has joined us. Quirk. Yes. Quirk has joined us. Joined the team. Say hi. Look how cute you are. Oh my gosh, it doesn't get better. Um, the whole crew. Women and our the whole crew is talking here. Talking about vaginas. I mean, like, really, I can't imagine a better Sunday, y'all. No, like, this is how I like to spend my yeah. Sundays. I know. I think Brittany and I get the same comments. Like, really? Is all you do vaginas? All, all, like, literally, it's on your brain at the moment? Yes. Yes, it is. Why yeah. shouldn't it be? I did an art project last weekend, and someone was like, oh, what are you painting? I said a uterus. <laughs> like, oh, so my God. Paint. It's so thorough. Let's You're so it. on brand. Yes, on um, brand. That's right. So, the, so, Amina, Japan, she mentioned something in her episode that I yes. wanted to ask you about. Yeah. She yeah. said that some of the products that you put up in your vagina mm-hmm. do not fit in Japanese women's vaginas. Yeah. And that... Uh, only 10% of Japanese women use tampons mm, and there's this um, underlying fear in Japanese women that products won't fit in them. Mm-hmm. And so importing, you know, whether it be, you know, a Kegel ball mm-hmm. or a type of sex toy or a type of, you know, fertility tracking device, if it is somewhat large, Mm-hmm. They are, if it's bigger than a tampon, mm-hmm. they are nervous it won't fit in them. And yeah. so I wanted to ask you is there any research that shows that Japanese women's vaginas are actually smaller? Yeah. Is that re- a real thing? Is it a cultural <laughs> thing? Like, I mean, again, so I think the theme of this little discussion is that there's two or more sides mm. to every, every coin here, right? And so, okay, so let's, let's answer it straight up. And then we'll talk about all the other sides because there's a lot. So straight on, nobody knows. (laughs) (laughs) Straight on, nobody knows. (laughs) The reason that nobody knows is because nobody's really done that type of research, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody's really lined up women of different ethnicities and measured their vaginas. Nobody's done it. There's one study that I found, or let's say, let's call it a handful. Let's call it a handful. Let's even be generous and say a handful that looked at different ethnicities and looked at different vaginal sizes. And one of them is from almost 15 years ago. And, okay, so their end values were not high. You know, it's not comfortable anymore, really, to target 
parts of the body based on women's ethnicity, right? Yeah. So I think we have to stand back and first, like, let's just say that, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like a taboo thing. And I don't think a lot of, there's not a lot of traction there. So that couple of studies, or the one that in particular, you know, they had one Asian Island Pacificer women uh, of of Asian descent measured amongst all these other Caucasians and African American women. Mm-hmm. So can you really trust data that yeah, based that, on one no, vagina. like one yeah. vagina? So no, first of all. I do think there is some basis behind it though. Okay. Right? So if you just think about it logically, like let's even forget the science and measuring this, that, and the other thing. Let's just be logical. Mm-hmm. So are Asian women smaller in general than North American women? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. They tend to be right. They they have they're they're smaller. They're just smaller bones, smaller pelvises. Uh, they tend to be smaller in weight. Like yes, there's a lot there. So it would make sense, I would think, just from a logistics standpoint, if you're smaller as a human. Yeah, you know, you weigh less. Your heart's going to be smaller. Your kidney's going to be smaller. Probably your reproductive organs are also going to be. Smaller. Yeah, yeah. So. It's very, it's sad to me that there's a lot of fear because there's one critical component to the vagina that is really important. Guess what? It stretches. (laughs) So it does stretch. That doesn't mean it's not uncomfortable. That doesn't mean you should stretch it all the time, right? Because then we can get into a whole conversation about women having vaginal rejuvenation. Don't get me down that path. (laughs) But, you know, products that are made for whatever market and even if it's a little on the bigger side like yes you can use it right yeah, now you yeah. have to be careful that there are parts Don't of the vagina yourself. that can rip yeah um that can tear that can be uncomfortable but they there shouldn't be this like global fear that you know i can't use it because it's not this size like the yeah. vagina does expand don't forget a head comes through there in the vaginal <laughs> canal so you know if as long as it's smaller than a baby's head probably you can you know put it put it in with some asterisks like let's, yeah let's have an yeah. asterisk next to it of like we need to be careful and you know don't hurt yourself and all those kind yeah. of things so I guess the roundabout answer to that question is, does anybody know if women who uh, of that ethnicity have different sized vaginas? I don't know that anyone's done that mm-hmm. study. If you mm-hmm. have, raise your hand. Talk. Please. Let us know. Share Chat your us. study. Say something. Share your study. You know, give us an end value. Give us some stats. Give us your, you know, standard deviations. We want to hear it. We'd mm-hmm. love to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, let us not have fear that, there's only one product for this group and one mm-hmm. product for that group and actually think logically about things. So. Yeah. Well, I think you bring up a good point that actually keeps coming up even in the first 10 episodes is this. Um, oh, bye Q. Oh, bye Q. Um, <laughs> uh, the first 10 episodes, it keeps coming up that there is just a lack of research in women's yeah. health and wellness. And yeah. so yeah. there is, you know, um, entrepreneurs and thought leaders on our show that say, hey, we know that this is a problem. And then I try to dig deeper and I say, well, how many women or mm-hmm. how long does it take or what's yeah. the solution or what's yeah. the biology? And a lot of times they come back and say, you know what? The jury's out. We don't know yet. No one ever looked at it. And yeah. like, wait, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. You know? And we actually have, um, this episode is uh, going out tomorrow, Monday. It's with uh, Christina from Keg. Keg is a Kegel ball that also Hi, measures yes. your uh, yes. cervical mucus yes. to predict fertility window. Mm-hmm. All right? 
Now I asked her, you know, why is cervical fluid important? Well, you know, the basic biology is that it's important for the sperm to use as lubricant to get up into the uterus and fertilize the egg. But Christina was saying that like, that's pretty much all we know is that it's, <laughs> it enables sperm yeah. to swim, but we don't know anything else about cervical fluid. And so she is actually on a mission with her company to do the research and public yeah. publish papers yeah. on cervical fluid in, in association with women's health, you yeah. know? Absolutely. And like more power to the people who are doing the research and putting the science out there, because, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, you need to back up your ideas with science, right? You have to have the data. You have to stand firm on the data and show the data in order for you to get into that boardroom and make a logical case for why this is important. You're right. There's so much that we don't know about women's health. And yes, there are beautiful, wonderful pockets of people who are putting the effort towards running a lab to understanding it, to getting that data, to collaborating with other people who are getting the answers that are the foundational points on which to build the innovations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there isn't a whole lot known about cervical fluid. There's so much that could be said about what is it composed of? You know, what is the impedance value? What does that mean? What is What does it mean for sperm transport, sperm antibodies? You know, and then it goes into this whole other tangent of how do you affect it? How do you change mm-hmm. it? What's, you know, we... We know that it's somehow related to your menstrual cycle. Okay, how? How? Yeah. <laughs> people used to, str- literally, y'all, people used to stretch their cervical mucus like this and be like, oh, let me correlate how stretchy it is with where I'm at in the cycle. Like, that's the level that we're at here. So, yeah. perfect. So let us research. gather all these people who are no longer okay with, let me like throw cervical mucus at the wall and see if it sticks and call it this. You know that we're all in this together in terms of moving the science forward. So that we're not just kind of saying we're, we want better. And then there's nothing underneath that. Right. Because if you want to move forward and bring your disruptions that are so needed forward. Well, you, we need to know, you know, what is the size that I'm making this product? Mm. You know, is it going to fit all the women who need it? Maybe there needs to be different sizes. Is it going to negatively affect something else? Yes. Right. So like if you're making a product that is for fertility, but it actually negatively affects cervical mucus, like that's counterintuitive. Right. But if we don't know all the data, you work in a vaginal research lab, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have this, uh, I love, you know, you've heard me say, I, I just, I love what I do every day because I get to talk about vagina. <laughs> and so if I'm not in clinic, I'm running an all women lab and we just do vaginal health research all day. Mm-hmm. And I have the absolute privilege of working with these two absolutely brilliant humans who are women. And all we do is vaginas all day all the time. You know, I'm texting them. Of course, sometimes they drop. I'm sure. <laughs> a lot about vaginas. And they're like, who's this lady? All the time. Vaginas all the time. But yeah, you know, and it and it takes, I think, effort to find the other silos of women. And I think that was part of the impetus of Femtech mm. Focus, right? How can we identify not only the needs, the silos of people who are doing the women's only research, connect them together with the pipelines 
to fund it, to innovate it, to disrupt it, and then bring that forward into the boardroom and say, we are here yeah. looking for more funding because guess what? This is important and it's not yeah. just affecting your 51% of the population. Right. You know, your ladies who are having such bad cramps that they have to leave work or school, they don't mm-hmm. take their SATs, whatever it is, like it's no longer okay. It really yeah. just isn't. Like, let's just, come on, y'all. It's just not okay. Yeah. Well, it has been so much fun doing this podcast. I know you were like recently like, Britt, do you, do you need a break? And I'm like, no, this is <laughs> no. my lifeblood. This gives me life. Yes. I love doing the interviews. Yes. We actually already have a backlog of about eight episodes. Fantastic. So look at us shaking yeah. and baking. We're just doing and it. Eating. So niche, right? So niche. I can't find people to be on my podcast. Right. Just kidding. Obviously, right. we have yeah. an overload of people wanting to be on it. That was sarcasm. Yeah, that sarcasm. Was total, you know, right in there, <laughs> sarcasm. Because yeah. 100%, not niche. Guess what? Uterus is not All, niche. No, not niche. Not niche. Julie, so much fun. We uh, definitely need to continue to love, do these little like review love. sessions because I am learning so much and I'm also seeing where. Even within the industry, there's yeah. like some yeah. debates. And so, Woo. I mean, that's juicy. It's great, you know? You um, know, if we all lined up together, right, the world would be boring, right? You mm. need people who are going to say, no, nope, that is just really a terrible idea. That's really just a terrible idea. Or somebody who's going to cheer for you and say, you know, go forward and innovate that space. Disrupt it. Think about it differently. Bring mm. the AI. Bring the microbiomes. Bring all yeah. that stuff together so that we're not you know, just operating in silos. But, you know, and thank goodness we learn every day. Thank yeah. goodness we have fun and talk vaginas and have a great laugh and, you know, have a good time bringing women forward and moving the needle forward because that's what's necessary. So it's important for everyone's health. Like I always say, improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness, y'all. Cue the credits. Cue the credits. <laughs> when she says that, credits. Thank you for listening to this special episode with Dr. Julie Hakeem and myself, Brittany Barreto, and reviewing the last few episodes of the Femtech Focus podcast. I hope that you can hear the energy and the synergy between Julie and I. We truly are soul sisters. We love to talk about vaginas. We love to talk about empowering women. We love science. We love data. We are seriously having the time of our lives. Uh, it's, it's so fun at Femtech Focus. I hope that you got to kind of see it behind the curtains inside and, you know, the inner thinkings of the co-founders of Femtech Focus. And if you love what we're doing, check us out online. Uh, you can go to our website, femtechfocus.com. Also follow us on social at Femtech Focus on any of the social channels. And, you know, reach out. Let us know uh, if you have a specific question for myself or for Julie. Just give us a holler. We will respond. Until next time. Keep innovating women's health and wellness because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness. Cue the credits.